2: Happy Friday on Wesson Walker at Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. We want to hear from you on this Friday. How you doing? How you feeling? 704-570-9610. That's the FanDuel text line. 704-570-9610. I'm starting off happy because as Colin is one to do, I feel like Colin is my guy for a lot of this, the living back in nostalgia and just going round for round, naming random players, but it's, Opening day for college baseball where everybody is playing right now. And that reminded me of how into college baseball I was when I was watching North Carolina get to the World Series and then lose after winning the first game. And then Oregon State did it twice to them. And no matter how many times they'd go, they couldn't bring home the championship. But I was going down memory lane with some of those names that I got to watch get to Omaha and then eventually not get the job done. And now you're trying to see, Wes, if Wake Forest can get the job done this That's week. That's right, man. we got year. a little
1: payback season coming up. Number one in the country. You know, we, we, we got a few things we left on the table last year. So we got to come back and get
2: that. Wake Forest, number one, and was dominant all last year until you got to the world series right yeah or and you guys got there you guys didn't lose before you yeah, got there did you yeah messing
1: around with lsu
2: yeah that's tough and that pitcher what was his name paul uh paul something i forgot what Skeen. It was. Yeah, that's paul right King. that's, that's right. right that guy sounds like winning on
3: and off the field because he dates the uh, gymnast from lsu
2: Oh, is that right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Oh, that is right. Yes, I did know that. Yeah, that's tough to mess with, man. That seems like a power couple. That's a power pitcher right there. And Wake Forest just couldn't get past him in order to win the championship. But maybe we'll give you some college baseball updates. I know Wes was doing that a little bit last year with his alma mater continuing to roll on. We'll talk and we'll lead with some college athletics, but it's going to be on the women's basketball side with what Caitlin Clark did last night. That's the other thing Colin said before he left the studio. He's like, "Dude, how awesome was it to see Caitlin Clark break the all-time record on that shot? Are you kidding me? Yeah, I mean that's that's it's ridiculous. Like going what? How many steps do you think past half court she was on the shot Maybe to break like the record? Three, four. <laughs> I mean, it's funny because it wasn't even like a, she can shoot the normal form type of shot from five feet out from the three-point line. But she even had to put a little bit of the half court just heave type of motion into that shot in order to break the record and cash and she ends up shooting above 50% from the field, 50% from three in order to go on a 49 point performance. Wes, you were texting us saying, yo, check out Caitlin Clark. She might get 50 or 60 having already broken the record right from the rip. Wasted no time to get history done last
1: night. Yeah, it was amazing, man. I watched the the broadcast on Peacock and uh, because I have that and so I checked it out and you know we it was just a Caitlin Clark Love Fest the entire show when you watch when you watch the game. That's pretty much all they talked about. Everybody else in the court was an afterthought. And as they should have been, because she came out, I tuned in with about nine minutes before the game started and I thought, you know, I figured she'd get the record fairly quickly, but man, she came out. And when they talked about her quotes pregame and she said she was going to break it on a logo three and she was going to come out firing and she did. And she was cooking. And when she hit that three to break the record, she started flexing. I said, oh, boy, I said, she on one tonight. I said, I'm about to get a treat. And when she had 20 in the first quarter, 21, I think it was. I was like, oh, this is going to be a performance for the ages.
2: All right, I, I have a, a, a lot of fun. There seems to be a lot of fun topics to get off of the bus with, and I like to have the music in the background. It pumps me up. We get off of the bus, and we're ready. We look like those rowdy dogs that you're afraid to play when we come off of the bus with this type of heat. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we That's what we sound like. Fitty, go ahead, open up the doors. We're <laughs> crazy. Let's get off the bus.
0: We look good getting off the bus.
1: I got something to say.
2: I was a little less scary with my voice crack. It's the first time that I've had a voice crack in quite some time. Fiddy, maybe you isolate that and we can make fun of myself a little bit later. But Caitlin Clark did go for history last night, scoring 49 points and is now the all time leading scorer in women's college basketball, breaking Kelsey Plum's record, who did it just, what, five years ago when she was going nuts at Washington. And Caitlin Clark could come back if she wanted to. And there's plenty more season to go for her to just go Pete Maravich on this thing and make sure you never break the scoring record. 96 points from Pete Maravich. Pete Maravich, she's going to break that easily. She's going to break it in two games. Yeah, If she averages what she just did last night, which is entirely possible, then she's going to break it in. Honestly, if it takes four games, it took too long for her to break the all-time scoring record. Let's hear some Caitlin Clark sound from last night. Here she is via Pete on the call, watching Caitlin Clark go for history.
0: Recovered by Gabby Marshall. Here comes Clark. How will she go for history?
1: There it is! The all-time leading scorer in women's college basketball.
2: It's better than a LeBron mid-range jumper while Thomas Bryan is calling for the ball for him to be the all-time NBA leading <laughs> scorer. It's a little bit better when Caitlin Clark pulls from just inside half court to drain it in order to set that mark. I'm trying to think of great moments when a record was broken when the play itself is also insane. I can go back to a very personal memory. When Peyton Manning set the all-time single season passing touchdown record, when he had to come back against the Chargers and he threw it to Brandon Stokely, which also was the first time in NFL history seeing three players or more go for 10 receptions in a single season, 10 touchdown receptions. I was at that game, and so that's a very personal memory, but isolated memory and also what it stood for, that's something that comes to mind for me. If you have something better, 704-570-9610, feel free to tell us. But, Wes, it felt like Caitlin Clark going for that type of moment. It Watching her break it that way, it made it that much more special.
1: Wasn't uh when Brady... Through his 50th touchdown that year was a bomb to Randy Moss. I think against the Giants. I think I'm, that was his 50th touchdown of the year when
2: he got it that year, but don't remember it as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm trying to think too of milestones that were broke. Oh, when Ricky Williams broke the uh, record when he was at Texas, he broke it on a long run. It was for the rushing yardage in a season at that time. I do believe, and uh, he broke it on a long touchdown run against Texas
2: A&M. What you got, Fiddy?
3: Not necessarily a record, but when Derek Jeter got his 3,000th hit.
2: Oh, that's a no, no. That's a
3: great one. It that's was a, a home, milestone. Yeah, home run, and he went 5-for-5 five five that day.
2: That's that's an all-timer as yeah. far as milestone type of achievement. And happening. his last
3: ever hit as a Yankee, a walk-off to beat the Orioles.
2: And wasn't it, am I wrong to say that that was the last season of Yankee Stadium, the original? Am I wrong on that? Am no, I trying to make was, this it too was,
3: special? It was three years into the new Yankee Stadium. Okay, so I was yeah. trying to make it too special. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. Rick,
1: Williams broke the career rushing record uh, that was then held by Tony Dorset on a 60 yard touchdown run. Okay. For yeah. Division 1A. Yeah,
2: you know, I also, I've had some weird, like, record breaking performances where I've attended, where, or just accolade performances. I got to see Roy Williams win his 500th game as a coach in college basketball history. And you know who that came against? It was like 07 08 against High Point. So I was like, all right, you know, just so happened to go against High Point. Still really cool. Still have the ticket, but against High Point, shout out to High Point, but it wasn't necessarily as cool as something like this. Let's go to more sound from Caitlin Clark. Here she is talking about the Logo 3. It was the only way to break the record.
3: Caitlin, you got off to a hot start tonight. Already five quick points. You're coming down the court, and you pull up from a Logo 3. What was going through your mind in that moment? Well,
0: Holly, that was the only way to do it. So I had to. I told some of my teammates and my coaches, like, if I got a chance in transition, I'm going to launch one. And honestly, I didn't know if it was going to go in because it was it was a deep one. But then it goes in and Coach Wooder calls timeout. And I'm just thankful to be surrounded by these people, this place. Um, I'm just so grateful, honestly.
2: What an absolute Amazing basketball player that was able to break it on that kind of uh, play. And now here we are watching Caitlin Clark be one of the figureheads of basketball, where it's going to be a lot of fun to see if she can win a championship before she will be the number one overall pick if she wants to leave. And it this is going to draw a lot of attention because of the way that she plays. You had something else you want to talk about with Clark?
1: Oh, no, I was just saying that I know they were talking about pregame, too, how... Uh, the tickets were going for as much as $500. Yeah. But for her to have that confidence, too, to be able to know that she wanted to break it on that shot, because I had wondered... I said, well, what if she missed it? I said, was she going to keep shooting until she hit a logo three (laughs) to break the record? So that was uh, that was why. But it was it was such an amazing uh, game to watch. All
2: right. So Paul Boston writes in on the FanDuel text line. Remember, Ted Williams last at bat was a home run. That's pretty cool. Mm. Wade Boggs also hit his 3000th hit. As a home run too. So that's a that those are both some uh some cool moments from both of those players with Wade Boggs and Ted Williams. Try to think of some more. Feel free to help us out here. 704-570-9610.
1: Oh yeah, and I was gonna say too, it was another record-breaking performance last night. Frances Marion Center. Now she's a center at five foot 11 Mm-hmm. Broke the division, uh broke the NCAA record for all divisions. She had forty-four rebounds. And their 85-62 win uh, over North Greenville. And she also had uh, 34 points as well. But the ONCAA mark was 40 by Deborah Temple of Delta State versus Alabama-Birmingham in 1983. But uh, she has 30 defensive rebounds and 14 offensive rebounds. I mean... What
2: would you do to your team if they yeah, gave 44 rebounds to one person? That's a whole team metric right there. They would do
1: rebounding drills until they threw up, passed out, and just could no longer stand up straight.
2: Yeah, they're they're running quite a bit. <laughs> I feel like she just out-rebounded the Charlotte Hornets in the last week despite them going for a 3-0 winning streak. We can get to the Hornets a little bit later on, too. We're getting a lot of J.D. <laughs> Fitty Church League records. <laughs> Brian writes in, JD went for 80 in Church League basketball after breaking his collarbone, going up for his 20th rebound. I almost had that 20th. Almost had it. But you'll just have to settle for 80 points instead. Michael, the 49er fan, same thing. Church League, when Fitty broke the all time scoring record, 1.3 seconds left on the clock. Fitty's team down two, grab and heave full court shot. Fitty drains it nothing but net do you remember that time like what was going through your mind during that play
3: oh man you know <laughs> the greatest accomplishment in my radio career will be church league fitty and church league jd becoming what i was in you know in real life so uh it was a memorable <laughs> moment man i remember hugging my dad and you wow. know, we we cried Okay. And we prayed. Okay. You got to in church. <laughs> and,
1: and and notice, low-key, the, the J.D. is starting to catch fire here, low-key.
2: Hey, it might even be high-key. We've talked about it enough yeah. the last couple of days. Yeah. J.D. is starting to make a name for himself, and uh, he's trying to kick Fiddy on up out of here. Many people are also writing in Cal Ripken last all-star game hitting a home run i believe he got mvp for that game after that too and so that's a good one to mention as well rob from salisbury says bill elliott qualifying at talladega in 1988 at 212 miles an hour for the pole causing nascar to invent the restrictor plate okay i like that one just a little piece of history smoke i'm sure it remembers the weather on that day and so that's cool i appreciate hey, right yeah people are mm-hmm. <laughs> We well, don't mention smoke enough if we don't hear that sound bite enough. Like, <laughs> we didn't even mention him for just whatever reason possible. And uh, we got a few more people writing some records we can share on the other side of the break. I did want to go to another text question before we move on because it's all-star weekend mm-hmm. charlotte hornets are going to get a break we're going to have an all-star style draft a little bit later on or we're going to talk about at least the players we think are going to win in some of these all-star events and we'll break down brandon miller going to the rising stars challenge but here's something i also want to ask before we go into break favorite dunks in slam and dun- you know, the dunk contest history what are your favorites that you've ever seen Is Vince Carter telling you it's over With the help of his cousin Tracy McGrady In one of the best NBA uniforms of all time Well, maybe it wasn't that great, but not the one that I'm thinking of. Is it Michael Jordan from the free throw line? Tell us what your favorite dunk is in dunk contest history. 704-570-9610. We'll come back with plenty more to get to, especially on the Carolina Panthers. Mike Clay of ESPN as Bryce Young is a breakout candidate. Can you see it happening? Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Walker, Sports Radio, two seven WFNZ. We went to break asking you what your favorite dunks in dunk contest history are. And we got a lot of good mentions. Derek from Charlotte says, the D. Brown pump, epic and iconic on many levels. Robbie Dangerously also went with the D. Brown All-Star dunk. It happened when Charlotte hosted the All-Star game, and he was there watching it live. When we were at the TD Garden, the only shirt I contemplated getting, because I wasn't going to get like any current Boston Celtic thing. Yeah. But they had the blind man D Brown dunk on the T shirt, and I thought. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, they were pretty cool. They were pretty cool. It went a lot better than Baron Davis's attempt at the blind man bluff, because <laughs> uh, he didn't even hit rim on his attempt.
1: Yeah, I mean, I have mixed feelings about that dunk. I'm not the biggest fan of that D Brown dunk because I just felt like in that contest, for one, a lot of people said that the it was a faux uh, blind dunk, but. You know, he robbed my man Sean Kemp who had came in and that was my guy. And Sean Kemp had put on a hell of a performance and I thought that he should have won. I mean, that was one of those few dunk contests where you felt like, the person who lost got robbed. We've had a few of those. You talk about Dominique and Jordan. I was gonna say '84.
2: That's the that's yeah. the one. You think you think Dominique got robbed? Yeah, in 84? he got robbed. Yeah, he or got robbed. was it '85 when they, it was yeah. in Chicago? I mean, right, Jordan was at
1: home, so you know he was right. gonna get that hometown love. You know.
2: The thing about it though is like it's not like MJ put up a terrible performance. He it, didn't. It was one of those maybe Aaron Gordon Zach Levine dunk contests where either one could win, but it still people will tell you Aaron Gordon got robbed on that. And so I could see that was one of them too. 704-570-9610. Chase says arm in the rim by Vince. No doubt the honey Mm. dip at the time. It was unheard of and nobody knew what they just witnessed. Yeah, that's true. That's a great one because most people like me remember the between the legs alley oop from Tracy McGrady. He goes to the camera. It's over. It's my favorite dunk of all time. Mm. I had it on a poster in my room. Once I saw that, I was like, Oh my God. I've never seen anything like that before and the sheer power that he slams it with too. But the crazy thing about the honey dip was the fact that he goes up there and he just jumps straight up. It's like, okay, this is lame. What Vince? What are you doing? And then he keeps rolling. He keeps going, going, going. And then he hangs from his elbow. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Never seen that. And before. a lot of people didn't catch it in the crowd until after they shown the replays. Yeah. And then you're the. Oh. That's that's what's great. See, that makes a great. It's the best dunk con- dunk contest ever.
1: That's like, the best performance. The contest alone, the competition was crazy. But Vince Carter, to me, is the greatest in-game dunker and dunk oh, contest yeah.
2: dunker. I agree. There is. I, you're not going to hear any fight from me. <laughs> Michael Jordan is clearly fantastic as well. Yeah. I would say him and Dominique and Vince, those are the three best dunkers of all time. But with what Vince was able to do, he this has been my favorite thing. Lockdown Hornets fans know because we had a bump about it for a long time. But if you go back and watch his 360 dunks, He goes reverse. So you're supposed to turn left as a right-handed player just because you go into the dunk a lot better. He goes the opposite way on his 360 dunks and then dunks it and still spins afterwards. Yeah, And it's crazy. And I've tried it on like seven and a half foot goals.
1: (laughs) On my Nerf goals. I can't do it. Yeah, man. And, And that's the thing too. You talk about that performance in the dunks. It's hard to pick a favorite. But I love the one that set it off. The reverse 360 windmill where he just... Punched that thing in and then just did the extra hops. He, he walks to up let to you it you
2: know what time it is vince's build for suspense on both the honey dip and the one to set it off yeah the 360 it's the built to suspense what's he gonna do what's he gonna you're under the rim you you got to get a running get a running start, vince yeah. what are you doing yeah and then after the honey dip everybody's quiet like wait What'd he do? Yeah. What'd he do? And then they show it and then everybody goes crazy. There's nobody. And better, and man. and
1: his performance was just right too, because you have to play the crowd. And he was dunking it with ferocity, his facial uh, expressions, his gestures. And then who could forget that it's over. It's over. when he was walking and said, it's a wrap. And, and just.
2: And I'll never forgive Kenny Smith. <laughs> I'll never forgive Kenny Smith for giving him a nine.
1: Well, oh, it yeah. should have been
2: the first perfect dunk contest that we had ever seen. Yeah. And Kenny Lame. A tar Heel. Carolina Blue Mafia. It's a real thing. Kenny, why did you why did you disrespect the family? Yeah. Why'd you do that? We could have gotten the first perfect score. I'm with my man too on the seven oh four line, Spud Webb. And Great. he just said any of them. He didn't even give you a one. Yeah. The the Spud Webb one, that's one where you were talking about you were mad about Dominique not winning because Michael did, and same thing with Sean Kemp. The thing about Spud Webb, too, they were cool, but it's a lot of, oh, it's because this guy is 5'7". You're getting a little style points. Because what he did, the other guys could easily do. It was just the fact that he was 5'7". Yeah. That's what gets him to dunk contest. Yeah, he,
1: he did. what to his credit, though, for that time that some of the dunks for his size were crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. It is.
2: Yeah. I mean, I can't do it, and I'm six six. So I'm gonna stop, hating. <laughs> Uh There are a couple more I wanted to get to here. Seven oh four put in. Definitely the post contest interview with Larry Nance. The reporter asked him, "Where on his arm does he get the rim?" Uh, Where does he hit the rim? And he made a line across his chest. That's a cool line. Hey, this is where I hit the rim. And then 803 says, uh, excuse me, Rock Hill Chad writes in, Jordan from the side. That's the one where he goes basically cradling the basketball and then slams it leaning into the basket. There are a lot of posters out there of it. And so those are good ones. So we can continue to read some of those favorite dunks. We got a lot more coming in. We have a lot more text. We'll get to a little bit later on on the FanDuel text line. I want to go to the Carolina Panthers football conversation because I saw on ESPN there was an article giving some predictions about what they can expect for the 2024 season. Your early Super Bowl pick, MVP, guys that could have a breakout year And when we go to who could have the breakout season, Mike Clay, fantasy football extraordinaire, Mike Clay says Bryce Young is the guy that he expects to have a breakout in year two. He says year two is the most common breakout time for quarterbacks, even when said QB struggled as a rookie. Young had to overcome a shaky supporting cast and in-season coaching change as a rookie, but the arrival of head coach and play caller Dave Canales, who did wonders with Baker Mayfield and inevitable upgrades at wide receiver, Will help Bryce Young to get to the next level. What do you think, Wes? Are the chances good for Bryce Young to have a breakout season?
1: Yeah, I think so. Uh, I think we we talked about some of the things that you can take uh, as the positives. We did see flashes from him to let you know, like okay, in the right scenarios, he can play. Uh, I point to just the ten interceptions, despite all the you know the wild stuff going on around him, whether you talk about on the field or off the field, still only throwing ten interceptions. I think there's something positive to take there. Um, you know, I know some people say, you know, we're giving him too much of a pass with the supporting and cast and the offensive line, but it's hard not to. I mean, when you saw the digression of this line and, you know, the the, the true lack of weapons for him, uh, you know, I think we saw what it looks like if it's not good for him. But I think we also, too, saw at times like the Packers game and we saw at different portions that he can uh, make the best of situations. So I think there's no question. When you have an organization that has a commitment to building around you, it's one thing, you know, if you play for an organization like, let's say, you know, for years the Browns were looked at as being very uh, inept at what they do, or the Raiders, where they just keep making the wrong draft picks and not building the team the right way. If we had that type of scenario here, I think there would be more cause to worry. But I feel confident that this organization – Wants to win. I think that they want to uh, go out and get the best players that they can, as evidenced by them being in on all these quarterbacks over the years and things of that nature. So I think that they're going to build this team uh, the right way around him, and I think that he's going to improve right along with it.
2: I look at that last sentence and I just hope it's true. Mike Clay says, Inevitable upgrades at wide receiver will help the 2023 number one overall pick. I hope it's inevitable. I hope we can just operate like it's going to happen and we don't have to worry about it happening. Because, of course, Dan Morgan, now that he's the GM, president of football operations, now he'll just go and he'll get T. Higgins somehow. Mike Evans wants to come over and play for Dave Canales again. So, sure, he'll go in division just to a different team. Yeah, they're going to use that 33 overall pick at some point. But it's inevitable just because it's, it was so bad last year. I don't know mm-hmm. how you get worse. And I didn't think it was going to be that bad. I was one that was saying, guys, they shouldn't be 32. I was one looking at Shai Smith being the, what, third leading receiver two years ago. And like, yep, yeah, they got guys better than Shai Smith. He couldn't even make the roster last year. So they're going to be fine. And they weren't. They were not. <laughs> they were not fine, despite me thinking that. So I am going by the it can't get any worse mantra. And I'm going to expect them to improve somehow. One, with just internal improvement from Mingo. You're hoping to see that. You're hoping to see the receivers improve internally as well, just because you have a brighter offensive staff. I'm hoping to see that. With Bryce Young, it felt like Mingo and Bryce, as they get better, they'll help one another. Mingo getting better will only help Bryce and vice versa. I'm hoping to see that. But you need new players. How many guys are they going to draft? I don't know. Are they going to use 33? I'd be fine with it. It has to go offensive line or wide receiver to me. Those are the only two that I'm looking for right now at that position. And then whatever you decide to do in free agency, which will be before the draft, then we'll get a clearer picture on what you want to do at 33. Do you want to sign any of these offensive linemen that are out there? And if you want to sign an offensive lineman, left tackle, move Vicky inside, or you just go in straight up interior. Lots of decisions that have to be made, but I do think, just the way that the NFL offseason is set up, it will allow them to answer some of these questions to paint a clearer picture as to what they have to do right before the season, once they get to the draft. So I do agree with that last sentence. I, I, I hope... I hope it's true, but I agree with it. I do think there's going to be an inevitable upgrade.
1: Yeah, I think so, too. And as I said, I, I feel strongly that they're going to get one, or, one of those two top receivers, whether you talk about them acquiring uh, Mike Evans or if they get T. Higgins. The only team that kind of worries me a little bit if he's not franchised by the Bengals is the Titans because they go and get Callahan, and you know he's familiar with that offense, and he's a Tennessee kid. He's from there, so that's the only team that I would worry about in that T Higgins sweepstakes if he hits the open market. But I think, you know, if he's not too fixated on that with the Tennessee Titans and he says, hey, you know, Bryce Young and and Canales, and those are two guys that I feel like I can thrive with and and be able to uh, reach that level of being a top flight number one receiver, then I think the Panthers will be, uh, if not the choice, one of the top choices for him. Uh, like I said, you would think Mingo will improve at least a little bit to where he's more serviceable than he was uh, this season. Then you're going to have Thielen back uh, more than likely, too. So you know you can depend on him. I think the key for this thing right now, like I said, is just finding that number one guy if you're able to uh, this offseason. Because I think even if you go and get a rookie at 33, he could turn – you know, it's a crap shoot. But just right off the top, I don't see – in this draft, and again, we could all be wrong. If if not, I could have a job as a general manager, but I just don't know that there's a receiver that's going to come in and change life and be a number one off the rip that you could get at the 33rd selection.
2: I also wonder when teams are looking at wide receiver, something just kind of coming to mind here. There are a lot of young quarterbacks where teams might be interested in helping that young QB because it's the right thing to do. And so if you think about it, who are the second-year QBs? C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson, Will Levis, Bryce Young. C.J. Stroud don't really need to look Aiden at wide McConnell. receiver. So they got well, Aiden, McC- oh, Aiden O'Connell as well. But they have Devonte, and so and they've got some weapons to work with over there, but you can always upgrade. Yeah, Houston should invest in offensive line, so I'm not worried about them going after a top-flight receiver. Everybody else... Yeah, Carolina might have some competition, and T. Higgins just might be making some money because of that. Yeah, and some of these other top-flight guys. Think about it. Not only just the second-year QBs, you also have to worry about the rookies coming in. So, okay, Chicago, if they draft Caleb Williams, you trade for DJ Moore, but you could still upgrade at wide receiver there too. It'd yeah, be nice. Needs a running mate for sure. Washington, that's a team that I think you're okay with, especially if you bring back Curtis Samuel. You have Terry McLaurin. You have Dotson. I think they might be better suited to look for offensive line help as well. But New England needs a wide receiver and pretty badly. If a quarterback falls to four, Arizona needs a wide receiver pretty badly. If Hollywood Brown comes back, he's your number one, you could definitely use some help. And I don't know if Hollywood is going to return. So you need wide receiver help there too. Now Carolina is competing with a couple of these other teams that would love to help their young QB. Maybe that is a factor when trying to figure out who's going to pay the most for T. Higgins or some of these top flight guys, you bring up Tennessee, Well, Levis could use some help. I know they got DeAndre, but he's older, and so they could use a running mate for sure there, too. That I wonder if those teams all get in a, get in a bidding war for some of these top flight receivers. That oh, no would be question. really interesting. Yeah, no question they will. Bryce Young didn't have a lot of help. It's pretty clear. Nick Bumgarner was talking about that, talking about the NFL draft and what the Panthers could do at 33. Here he is joining Mac and Bone yesterday discussing how Bryce had no help, and maybe they can fix that.
0: I thought last year when he was coming out, my biggest thing with him and Stroud, both of them, were they had to have help. Like, that was the thing. You couldn't send them to a team that had nothing up front mm and nothing to help. And I think that I watched them in the preseason. I watched, uh, I can't remember which game it was, but I think I watched all of them actually. The, the Panthers preseason games and watched Bryce. Uh, I think every snap he took. And it was like, I told whoever it was here, one of our bosses, I was like, he's going to get killed. You know I mean? All year he's going to get roughed up. It's going to be one of these things. Where he's not, there's nobody there protecting him and you can see it. And I, you know, I live in Detroit and I, I watched that game that they had with the lions And I thought he was kind of coming around, and there were some plays in that game that that reminded me of the Bryce that we saw last year. But at the same time, it's like he's not getting any help, and when he's getting hit so much like that, it's going to be brutal on the confidence of a young player. And I think that he did an okay job, I feel like, of keeping his confidence through it. They've got to do a way better job as a franchise right now of helping him. Otherwise, you're going to end up in a situation a lot like you saw with,
2: with Fields. So far, so good this offseason as far as helping Bryce Young. You get an offensive mind. You have a track record now of helping quarterbacks get back on track with Geno Smith, who was never really on track, to be honest, and Baker Mayfield has had an up-and-down career. You're on the ascent when Dave Canales gets a hold of Baker in Tampa Bay, and they win a playoff game where Baker plays well. So, so far, so good on what you can possibly do at this point. Still have free agency, still have the draft, still have a lot of work to do. Bryce Young needs a lot of help, and so with him talking about the help with the offensive line and the wide receivers, they're going to have to address that, and I think that's the biggest reason as to why he struggled so much last year, but Wes, we can go to a CBS redraft, you know how these outlets love to give you the content, I'm here for it by the way, I'm not complaining at all, Mm -hmm. because it gives us topics like these, because we had a 2023 NFL redraft, and Wes, Chris Trapasso of CBS Sports had CJ Stroud as the number one overall pick, duh. Not going to argue with it. Will Levis, number two. That's where we can start to have some debate if you want to. Number three was Puka Nakua. Number four was Anthony Richardson. Drafted right where he was originally drafted anyway. And then you're going to have to scroll a long time before you find Bryce, and you still won't find him. Not in the first round in this redraft, Wes. Mm. Not in the first round. Mm. Just for reference. (laughs) Just for reference, Joey Porter Jr. was 30th. Dontavian Wicks was 31 for Kansas City. And if you want to go to 29, Peter Skoransky, a bunch of other names that aren't quarterbacks. Is that too far to say that Bryce Young would not be drafted in the first round after the year that he had in a redraft if we had that possibility?
1: Ah, man. That's a that's a very interesting question because you talk about, you know, when this guy when Nick Bumgarner is talking about, well, the problem he had with the rookie quarterbacks, they need to help. I mean, doy what rookie quarterback doesn't tell me the last rookie quarterback. That was one of the things that we thought Bryce Young was going to thrive off of was the fact that he wasn't coming into a typical number one pick situation. What quarterback picked in the top five comes into a great situation unless you have a team that was a playoff team the year before that trades up into the draft and drafts them. So to me, that's preaching to the choir. Uh, I I think it's a bit premature to not have Bryce Young in the first round uh, after the season that he had. Granted, yes, the, the numbers weren't sterling. But again, you know, you talk about the supporting cast and what he had and so uh you know, I think that that's the reason why that they decided to do what they did, but I feel like you got to take that into account. Sometimes you got to at least go off the player themselves at their core, what do they represent? What skill set do they have? But the best part about it is Bryce Young's going to get to answer that question this year with where he should have been drafted. Was he worthy of the number one pick? I think all that's going to come to fruition this year because this is going to be the year for him to, uh, to to figure out and to show everyone uh, because there's plenty of Panther fans too that aren't sold and would probably agree with that assessment at this point. And so, uh, you know, it's just going to add to just the many things that Bryce has to prove
2: uh, and labels that he needs to shed coming into this season. Yeah, it feels too far for me. A lot of this is going to be based on how you evaluated him before and going into his rookie season, but not a top 32 pick. I, I see some of the guys here and there's a lot of talent. There's a lot of talent that contributed right away at a lot of different positions, but man, Bryce young was not without flashes and it was pretty clearly a terrible situation in everything that took place last season. So I would still take a top 32 chance on Bryce young. I would still take a top 20 chance on Bryce young instead of a, Interior defensive lineman that played well, but like wasn't a star or Pro Bowl level. Like, I would take Bryce Young right now over that because of what the positive could do for your organization. Yeah. You still take that shot. So, to have him out of the first round entirely, I'm not there. I'm not there yeah, whatsoever. I'm not there yet either. If it struggles, if he struggles again with a different situation, then I think we can start to have that conversation. We'll go to more Bryce Young combo on the other side of the break. All right. So, if Bryce Young was in this draft class, what number would he be off of the board? Let's get to that debate coming up next. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. It's Wes and Walker back on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. If you want to hear us on a podcast form, well, feel free to do that because you can catch us anywhere. You get your podcast. Just subscribe on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your pods, at Weston Walker. You can also follow us on Twitter with that same handle. And then you can catch the Steve Forbes interview. Got some compliments on that the last couple of days for how good Steve Forbes was. He's the kind of coach that makes it easy, though, man. He does. Is there a better coach to talk to that's more fun and engaging and is going to tell you how he feels, whether it be about the conference, his own team? valentine's day whatever you want to talk about steve forbes is going to give you his candid thoughts he's got a lot of riz he does have a lot of riz I'm starting <laughs> to use it a little bit I, so yes the people that know this now Wes just learned what riz was what it was two days ago yeah, yesterday when you told me because your kid has been t- uh, has been saying riz quite yes a bit. that's the word that they use at school when they talk about uh Getting at the females that they say, does he have Riz? All right. So, so, <laughs> so your kid, you you mentioned he's like, yeah, you know, my kid, he's a little bit interested these days. And so he calls it Riz. I don't even know what that is, whatever. And I was like, wait, no, Riz, it's short for charisma. That's yeah. what the kids are saying. You're like, is that what that is?
1: Yeah. I kept wondering. I was like, dang, I was like, what is this? Because every time he said something, I'm like, what is What is Ria's short for?
2: We've had this text question before. We've (laughs) asked about the young vernacular that adults will just find out what it means, just recently found out, or if they'll use. But, you know, Wes, because you're going to be on it, because you still keep up to date big time. I was a little surprised you didn't know what it was, to be (laughs) fair. Because you have a kid, you still listen to all of the music, you still listen to and watch all the TikToks that are viral right now as well and i yeah. thought maybe you'd be up to up to date on it but I'm, I'm glad i got to teach you a little something
3: isn't there someone that goes by the riz god in the in the public eye or am am, am i am i mistaken on that
2: i got the research theme i on. couldn't tell you it sounds like something somebody would name themselves though the <laughs> Riz God. Yeah, it is. I think so. Uh, yeah.
1: Well, it's in the Urban Dictionary, Riz God. And there's this I'm guy little, on
3: Instagram.
2: Let's, let's go ahead and proofread that before we go to air with it, if it's, it's on Urban Dictionary.
1: One with the ability to spit immense game with yeah. ease towards a female and make them fall into a charm
2: over you. All right. Riz God. Mm. <laughs> Fitty, how much Riz do you have? <laughs>
3: city not a lot
2: J-I- yeah yeah
3: yeah 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 J. D. he's rizzed up i don't know what that means yeah and Riz
1: god is a thing uh i see there's somebody on social media he's got 26.3 thousand followers on instagram so.
2: it's not bad yeah it's pretty good all right we can go to the text line fanduel text line 704-570-9610 we were asking what the best dunks and slam dunk Uh, contest history are Big Cat Dan going with any dunk by Kenny Skywalker in that 1989 dunk contest the 360 double pump was cool Carolina Mike brought up one where it's actually the anniversary of this dunk and the dunk contest was amazing the birthday cake you remember the birthday cake dunk so if you don't know it's when Gerald Green had his friend Rashad McCants climb on a ladder Light a cupcake, put it on the back of the rim. Gerald Green catches an alley-oop, blows out the candle as he slams it home. And it was the same thing where, wait, what happened? What'd you do? And then the close-up shows that Gerald Green catches the basketball, dunks it, and blows out the candle that was stuck in the cupcake. Okay, that's one of my well, favorite dunks yeah, of all Yeah, that time.
1: I remembered. When you said birthday cake, I was like,
2: birthday cake? I said, I was about to say, I remember the cupcake, but not birthday cake. But that that was, well, That I think that's what they call it. So, yes, that one is one of my favorites as well. And then George writes in, I'm from the old school, and although it's commonplace today when Dr. J came from the free throw line in the 70s that had never been heard of and no one's seen it in real time unless you were there we just heard about it until we finally got to see it that's cool we get to see everything because of social media that we don't get to have this mythology of some of our favorite players where hey did you see what dr j did did you see no man i wasn't there man he dunked from the free throw line no you're crazy no way he did that we don't get that anymore because we have cameras all over the place and we get to see it in real time so i think that was cool from what george was able to write in Darnell Hillman is another old school one where he was able to wear the bottle shop jersey, had the big old fro in the ABA days. He was an Indiana Pacer. Darnell Hillman, for all you old cats out there, tell me if I'm tripping, because I feel like that's one of the best ones of all time, too. If,
3: if you're named Darnell, I just I just imagine you're, you're a class A dunker. Okay. Darnell the dunk master. Who do you play for in the ABA?
2: Indiana. It was the Indiana, Indiana Pacers. Okay, so there we go. Tarnell the dunk master, the Riz dunk contest. Yeah, we got a lot of texts coming in at 704-570-9610. I did want to talk a little bit more about Bryce Young because we had the question about where he would rank in this class amongst the quarterbacks coming out. Caleb Williams, Drake May, McDaniels. Bunch of I keep doing Jalen McDaniels, man. I keep doing that. Jaden Daniels. Worry about it.
1: We all have people that we
2: Willie P is like, yes. He's like holding his hand up high. Yeah, Jalen McDaniels, I still feel your pain. Seriously? Brother. Yeah, no, Jaden Daniels, excuse me. So those three quarterbacks, it looks like a very top heavy class. Like people are really excited about all of these guys, which begs the question, where would Bryce Young rank in this draft class? Nick Bumgarner answered that very question on Mac and Bone. Here's what he had to say. He'd
0: still be a first-round pick. Uh, I think he would probably be ahead of, yeah, that's a tough one. I think he would be right there with Jaden Daniels. I think he would be, you know, right ahead or right behind Jaden Daniels, and I think it would be something where he would be gone in the top half of the first round. Not number one overall. He wouldn't be ahead of Caleb uh, Williams or Drake May. Um, I think he would be three or four.
2: Do you agree with Nick on that? Or do you think that he would be higher than Drake May? Like, would he, he wouldn't be battling for number one, right? You don't think that? Oh, okay. You do think a little no, bit of it.
1: You know, I'm trying to think because, like I said, it's hard for people to think about something like that without getting last season out of their head. A lot of people are going to be thinking about last season and like, no. But you got to think about the Bryce Young that was at Alabama uh, making those plays, putting up those ridiculous seasons, winning the Heisman Trophy. Uh, he is a Heisman winner. The only... the only reason you put any of these guys over Bryce is size that's it uh in my opinion because other than that as far as skill set accuracy process and all that good stuff uh I think he's a better processor I think he gets the ball out quicker than Caleb Williams does we talk about all the time how Caleb Williams will hold that football uh you know we saw big game winner Caleb Williams was not that this year uh they struggled and you know I know USC had no defense as well but he also played his part in some of those big losses with those interceptions uh you talk about Drake May as well you know he had his faults um as well so i think drake i mean i think that Bryce Young in my opinion would be right up there with any of these guys uh just based off his college career and what he brought to the table i think the only separator is your preference of size if you want a quarterback that's 6-1 to 6-5 or 6-6 like drake may you're going to go with those guys. But I think as far as just sheer play skill sets,
2: I think Bryce is right there with any of them. I I think he'd be fourth. And I think because the size matters so much with Bryce Young compared to a Daniels and a Meg and a Caleb Williams, I think he might be fourth off of the board. Because we can go to the accolades and watch what Bryce Young did at Alabama. It was wildly impressive. But as we've seen with guys like Troy Smith, who wins the Heisman Trophy, it doesn't mean that he's going to be a first-round pick. If you say that's too much of an extreme example, all right, that's fine. Even coming back where that was like, what, 06? We can come back to closer to 2023, and we can even go to maybe a Johnny Manziel, who was drafted a little bit later. Like, you have seen a trend of the best college football players be taken number one overall at the quarterback position. You have seen that with Caleb Williams, at, or excuse me, with A Bryce Young, you saw it with Joe Burrow, Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield. All of those guys were number one overall picks, and that's all very true. But even Lamar Jackson, I mean, his numbers were absolutely crazy at Louisville, but he was drafted with the very last selection in the first round. Like, to me, all of the stats, they matter, and that gets you in that conversation. But as we do with prospects all the time, it's more than just what you do at the college level. It's about how you project. And I think the projection for Drake May, Caleb Williams, Jaden Daniels with what he showed at LSU too, I think the projection is, is higher. Because I think most people would have drafted Bryce Young number one overall last year, but there was still a question. Like Nobody was saying, oh, this is a can't-miss quarterback class. Mm-hmm. There were questions about CJ, big game performances, Bryce Young and his size. Will Levis had all the tools, but my goodness, he wasn't very good against or with Kentucky and Anthony Richardson had a terrible year. But we're still drafted fourth. Like, these stats only matter so much, even with a guy like Richardson, who wasn't good, wasn't very good last year with Florida, still drafted fourth because of the potential that they have.
1: Yeah, I agree. And and you look at Big Big Cat Dan, and he says, think about, because if we play hypotheticals, you know, he's saying that, think about where Alabama was this year. Alabama probably wins the natty with Bryce. And so if you have a scenario where that happens, we know what the playoffs can do for guys. And having that national spotlight – He would have been super hot because I do think Alabama would have had a great chance. I'm not going to say 100%, but I think they would have had a great chance to win the national championship with a guy back there like Bryce Young. Uh, I think the size would have given him questions, of course. But I still think when guys looked at the pure skill set that he displayed, because also, too, when you talk about size, you know, Jane Daniels, he's got the height, but he's a small guy like as far as stature like he's I think not it's a more I think it's
2: more height though because yeah, he, you can put weight on yeah
1: guys. he's not a big guy but you know I would put Bryce up there uh with any of these guys
2: Wolfpack James clowning you fitty he says Jaden Daniels is the real JD mm. oh no I'm glad now mm. I'm glad now that they drafted Bryce Young because we don't Go have enough scratch eno- yourself we don't have enough room in this town for two JDs man we got one trying to break out this year we can't have another one in Jaden Daniels. So that's good. For Jayden Daniels not coming to Charlotte because there's only one JD here in the Queen City. Let's move on. Talk a little college athletics in the campus corner. Coming up next, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC.